The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Relationships, and we've been talking over the last several weeks about what it means to walk in relationships with the people that are all around us, and that we're calling it relation slips because it's very easy in relations in relationships. Whoa, almost dangerous there. To to slip and to get ourselves into into trouble, and so we began this series a couple weeks ago talking about the enemy of relationships. That there is an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil. He hates you. He really does exist. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And one of the ways he does this is he tries to get in between you and the people that you love, including God. And he interprets the people of your life to you. He comes to you and he, he tries to convince you of a lie and get you to look at the people around you in the wrong way so that you disconnect from them and pull away from them, and then he hurts you. And this is how he began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He, he interpreted God to them in the wrong way. They disconnected from God. They sinned, and it messed up everything And we all fall into this same trap all the time. And so for us, the goal is to let God be the interpreter of our life. Uh, Last week, we talked about the friend of relationships, that God wants to be in a relationship with you, that God doesn't want to be in a religion with you. That was never his goal. He doesn't want to be in an information ship with you where you just know a lot about him. He wants you to be in a relationship with him where he walks with you every day. And in fact, the relationship we talked about this last week that he wants to have with you is that of a father and a child, that he wants to be your father to you. He wants to, he has an inheritance for you. He wants to bless you and help you and, and, and walk with you every day of your life. Now today, I want to talk to you about the relationships that we have with friends, Uh, the people all around us, the people that we do life with, not necessarily our spouses and our children. I'm talking about people outside of those relationships. And and if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down, okay, because we're going to keep coming back to this point throughout the day. But write this down. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. Now, I think most of us kind of understand this because we grow up hearing this kind of stuff. I remember being a kid, uh, my parents would ask me a lot about my, the friends that I was hanging out with, right? I have kids today, and, and I, my son, who's, who's a first grader, I ask him about his friends from time to time, and, and I want to know who he's hanging out with, because I understand that, that friends have an effect on us, and there's this thing called peer pressure, and it can affect us, it can get us to go in the wrong direction in life, and we all know about, about peer pressure, and it reminds me, when I was a kid, one year for my birthday, uh, I got this videotape, okay? Now, for those of you who are a little bit younger, let me explain to you what this thing is I'm speaking of right now. It's a plastic cartridge about yay big that we used to watch movies on before DVDs, before Blu-rays. You watched a movie on a VHS tape. Anybody remember these? And you stuck them in a VCR, right? And you'd, you'd put your video on and it would be going and then sometimes it wouldn't always play really well. And so you'd have to adjust the tracking anybody following me remember tracking come on anybody remember tracking yeah so you have to go up there and you'd have to you know mess with it because i don't know what was happening but you'd have to get the tracking right and uh and on these like you couldn't you couldn't like jump to a scene you had to fast forward it and we had this one in our house this vcr that we had for like 30 years and this thing like you'd turn it on it would go like wind up 
and then you fast forward it, it was like, sounded like a plane was getting ready to land, and you'd have to, you know, fast forward it and then stop it and play and see if you were at the scene you wanted to be at or whatever. It's nothing, the struggle was real, okay? It's nothing like what we have today. But I got this videotape for my birthday, and I was about four years old, and uh, it, was, it was a videotape called Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. I have a picture of it here. Mr. T's Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Now, you got to understand, I, I was so pumped about this because I loved, <laughs> four-year-old Josh loved Mr. T, okay? Rocky Three had just come out, you know, and Mr. T was clubber Lang and that. The A-Team was happening. I had been to Universal Studios. It was awesome. And so I thought Mr. T was awesome. In fact, I have some pictures I want to show you. This is my birthday party for me when I was four years old. Uh, I got a puppet, as you can see there. And then we're going to zoom into my cake in this next picture. This is my birthday cake. Check this out. Boom. So I was legit like Mr. T fan. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. So happy birthday to Josh. So I get this birthday, you know, this videotape, and it's awesome. Like, you put it in, and it has these, these skits and these music videos and these awesome songs like, like Be Somebody and Treat Yo Mama Right and Stylin'. And, uh, and there was this song, my favorite, performed by New Edition. Anybody remember New Edition? Called Peer Pressure, okay? And let me explain the peer pressure music video to you this morning, all right? So peer pressure music video, you have these kids, and they're on a pier, and they're like walking, and all of a sudden the beat hits, and they're walking on the pier, and they come across this trash can, and, uh, and one of them like stops and looks in the trash can, and then he starts to get inside the trash can, and he starts to pull out like cans of unopened beer and unopened cigarettes. Like, I guess somebody had had a Jesus moment and they dumped their old lifestyle into this trash can and he is now stumbling upon it and enjoying the fruits of that or whatever. But anyways, they get all this out and they just start working stuff. These look, I mean, it's broad daylight on a pier and they are just going to town on beer and cigarettes. And, but there's one kid who is torn by this whole thing. Like he's watching his friends and they're just guzzling and smoking and passing around and high-fiving each other. And he's like, look, you can just see the inner struggle, the battle that's going on in him. And new additions over the side, you know, doing their thing. And so he's, he's, he's like struggling with this, in this moment. And, and there's a point when they're like actually taking the cigarettes and the beer and like sticking it in his face to the, to the point that they're like rubbing it on his face. At one, like rubbing cigarettes on his face. And he's just like... No, and he, but, but he looks over, and he sees Mr. T. And Mr. T's standing there over on the pier with all his gold on, right, his gold necklaces, because that's how he rolled. And he's got his arms crossed, and he's just looking at the kid going. And so, shaking his head. So something in this moment, something snaps with little Johnny, or whatever his name is, and he just jumps up, and he kind of pushes his friends to the side, and he walks away and leaves the pier. And now all of his friends are left standing there and now for some reason now this has woken them up to the reality of their situation and they're all just like they put the beer down and the cigarettes and they walk away and the new addition comes popping back in the screen and starts dancing and the video ends and and the moral of the story is mr t is awesome right uh, but really the moral of the story is like if you hang around the wrong people it's going to affect you in in the wrong kind of ways and you got to make sure you you surround yourself with the right kind of friends because peer pressure. I, I remember as a kid, though, thinking, I'm never going to walk on a pier. Like, I got nothing to do with that. People rubbing cigarettes on my face? No way. 
But, but the Bible talks about this, actually. It talks about this, this idea that, that our friendships matter to us and that they affect us. In fact, Solomon, who people, many people consider to be the, the wisest man who ever walked the earth, probably next to Jesus, he said this in Proverbs 13, verse 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. Now, there's a little bit of Mr. T theology that's getting ready to come out here. Associate with fools and suffer harm. Okay, so there's two parts to this verse. The first part is, is a promise. We walk with the wise and we become wise. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, uh, our destiny is tied to our relationships. The kind of people that we associate with are going to affect us. We're going to become like the people that we're around. The second part of it is, is a warning, though, that if you associate with fools, you're going to suffer harm. And, and I think this, I, I think that in, in our life, and, and as your pastor, here's the thing, I don't want you to suffer harm. Like, that's not my desire for any of you. I want you to, to, to step into the kind of relationships that I believe that God has, has called you to walk in, that breathe life into you, that, that where you can draw strength from each other and, and grow in the things of God and grow in your relationships with your, with your spouses and with your family and, and produce good fruit. That's what God's called us to do, to, to lock arms with each other in that way. And, and so... What we see here is that in our relationships, it doesn't matter how great of a Christian you are, it doesn't matter how close you are to God, your relationships are going to affect you in some way, and so we need to be intentional about our relationships and make sure we, we, we get ourselves and surround ourselves with the right kind of relationships. Now, that said, I don't think the issue for most of us adults um, is necessarily a peer pressure issue anymore, right? Like, we're not, you know, junior high, high school students that want to be cool with our friends necessarily. I, I do know that that can happen. We, we associate with the wrong people and it's going to affect us. I think the bigger relation slip that we fall into when it comes to our friends, I think where we, we become fools and suffer harm is that we don't connect with people at all. We don't have relationships like we should. And we kind of build these worlds for ourselves and we isolate ourselves inside of our own little worlds and, and we don't connect with people like we should, and it causes us to suffer harm. And I was thinking about this this week. I think there's two ways we can kind of isolate ourselves in relationships, and one of them is within our family. We, we isolate ourselves in the context of our own family. Now, hear me. I am pro-family, big time. I love family. I, I, I'm, I'm big on, we, we as a family, we protect our home. We value our children. We value our marriage. And we want to create a good atmosphere for our kids. And we're, we're very guarded with our, with our home and, and what we do and how we do that. But, but sometimes I think if we're not careful, we kind of produce and build these fortresses of solitude where the only companionship we really have, the only person we feel like we can really turn to is our spouse. Now listen, I love Sarah. I, I do, big time. I'm not just saying that to sound like a good pastor this morning. She is my best friend. I would rather hang out with her than anybody else. I, I truly would. But I also know this. There are things that I need as a man that Sarah cannot always speak into. And there are things that she needs as my wife that I cannot always speak into. That I, I know she needs to associate herself with other godly women who are either where she is or where she wants to go. And the same is true for me. I need those relationships. We all need those relationships. But if we're not careful, we, we build these little worlds for ourselves and we push everybody aside and we just kind of say, well, I've got my wife and that's all I need. Or I've got my family and that's all I need. And we're not opened up to the world around us and we isolate ourselves in that way and I think we suffer harm because of it. 
Another way we suffer harm in our relationships is we create fake worlds for ourselves. And I think we create fake security for ourselves in these fake worlds. When I'm talking about a fake world, I'm talking about the world of social media, of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all these other things. And you can have thousands of connections, cyber connections, but you don't really have real relationships with people. You, you have like, you get to see scenes of people's life, but you don't really get to connect with them in, in a real way. And I think we suffer harm because of this. And, and here's the thing about these two things. When I look at scripture, I don't see a bunch of people running around, especially in the New Testament when the church is being built, I don't see a bunch of people running around just kind of doing their own thing or isolating themselves within their homes and pushing everybody else aside and just kind of having their little thing with what they're doing. I see people that are living life together. I see people that are connected. I see people that are running around connected with each other and, and, and progressing and growing and helping other people grow in the things of God and helping other, become, other people become who God's called them to be. You know, you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was a great example of this. Jesus had friends. We, we know about the 12 disciples, but he had other friends too. There, there was uh, his mother Mary, his father Joseph, uh, his siblings. He had brothers and sisters. He had uh, Nicodemus was a friend of his, uh, John the Baptist, Lazarus, Mary Magdalene, and her, mother, her sister Martha. These were all friends of Jesus. And beyond that, remember Jesus was referred to as the friend of sinners, you can't be a friend to anybody unless you connect with them. There was no Facebook then. It couldn't be, he's the Facebook friend of sinners. No, he, he interacted with people. He had friendships. He had relationships with people. And we are Christians. We're called to be Christ-like. So we've got to be connected to other people. We have to be looking to, to make godly connections and have godly relationships with other people. So my question as we kind of step into this today is, do you have that? And, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you don't, because a lot of us don't. Uh, a few years ago, I didn't, really, to be honest with you. I had a few connections, but I had isolated myself in many ways. In fact, I remember having a friend over to our house one night uh, to, to come over and hang out with me and Sarah. And we had this couple over, and we had a game night and had dinner with them. And, and then, you know, it was a fun night, and then they left. Well, the next weekend, I saw them at church, and they came up to me, and they said, man, telling me, you know, we had a, we had a great time with you. And, and they said, you know, I, t- I was talking to, to this other person that, I, that, that knows me. And, uh, and they said, you got to go over to their house. Wow, nobody ever goes over to their house. And he told me this kind of like joking with me. But there was something when he told it to me that was kind of like, that's not cool. That's not biblical. That's not who I want to be. I don't want to be so isolated in my own world and so protective of what I've got that I'm not opening up and being Jesus to other people. And I'll show you this a little bit later here in the service, how we, how we can do that. But as we launch into this, here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things this morning, three benefits to godly relationships, godly friendships. There's way more than these three, but these are three that I think really just stood out to me. And then I want to give you, at the end, I'm going to give you five things you can do to step into these kind of relationships, okay? So the first three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is this, godly relationships breathe life into our lives. Godly relationships breathe life into our lives. If you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Kings 19. And as you're turning there, uh, let me kind of catch you up on where we're going here. So 1 Kings 19, we're going to read the story of Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Elijah was an amazing, amazing dude. 
and, and to kind of set him up for you, let me kind of reorient you with his story. Okay, Elijah was the guy that, that took on the 850 prophets of, of Baal. So you probably heard this story before. Uh, it's like this challenge between Baal and God. And uh, they're both going to build these sacrifices. And then they're going to pray and they're going to ask their God to kind of consume the sacrifice. Okay, so, so Baal's guys, 850 of these prophets start praying and cutting themselves and doing this whole thing. And you, you actually see in the story that Elijah's like mocking them in the process. And nothing ever happens. And so then Elijah comes out. He has him pour water all over his sacrifice. He puts it out there. He prays to God. God consumes it completely. The rocks, the sacrifice, the ground around it, the water, everything gets consumed. Like that was Elijah. He was in that moment. Elijah's the guy in Scripture that prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. How's your prayer life doing, right? This guy's... This guy's a stud. In fact, in, in Scripture, there's, there's this awesome verse in, uh, in 2 Kings 1, verse 8, where these people are trying to figure out who this person is, and they're, ta- they're trying to explain to this king, this person that they saw, and they're like, he was a hairy man with leather on, and he was like, oh, that must be Elijah. So he was known for being hairy and wearing leather, right? This is a bad dude. Um, Elijah, he, he had this, there was this one time that he was running from this place called Mount Carmel to Jezreel, and it's just like a 20-mile journey, about 17 to 20 miles. And in this journey, he outran a horse. A horse, people, for 20 miles. He's awesome. Oh, and by the way, he never died. When his life got to the end, he just kind of elevated, went up into heaven. So he's like, he's the Chuck Norris of the Bible, basically. Okay? So we're going to read here, 1 Kings 19. And, and I, I say all that because it's important that you know all that as we read this. Because what you're about to read is is shocking okay so here we go first kings 19 verse 3 elijah was afraid stop right there right here's this guy i mean i just gave you this amazing description of the things he's done before all this and now we find him afraid look at what it says and look how afraid he is this is crazy Uh, And he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down, and look at what he says. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Wow. So Chuck Norris of the Bible is struggling, right? Something is not going good to the point that he's ready to die. He's ready to end it all. He wants God to kill him. He's praying and asking God to kill him. Look at this, verse 9. God says this to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down the altars, and killed every one of your prophets. Now look at this. I am the only one left. If you have a physical Bible... Underline that. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. So what's the problem with, with Elijah? The problem is he's alone. He's isolated. He doesn't have anybody to turn to. Does he feel like a failure? Yeah, but, but that's not why he feels bad. Does he feel, does he, is he unhappy with the culture that he's living in? Absolutely, like many of us are. But what's really bothering him is that he's all alone. He has nobody to stand with him. And so God comes in and God comes to bring relief to him and to help him. And he does it by bringing into his life somebody to walk with him. 
a guy named Elisha. Now, here's how you can remember who is who. Elijah was first. J becomes comes before S in the alphabet. So Elijah first, Elisha. And so God says, I want you to go and I want you to anoint this guy, Elisha, to take your place to be your successor. And I can't help but think that Elijah is thinking, okay, this is, this is great. I'm checking out. I'm passing the torch. I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to tag this guy, and I'm going to be done, and I can go do my thing and just either die or live my life alone for the rest of my life. And so he shows up, and verse 19, look at this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, Elisha, son of Shaphat. If you're having a boy, there's a great name. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now, what that means is there wasn't 12 oxen on one. There was actually 12 different sets of of oxen being driven by 11 other people, and he was driving the 12th, okay? Uh, Now, look at this. Uh, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak on him. Now, here that's a very significant thing that just happened there. The cloak of a prophet was called a mantle, and it was a symbol of his anointing. It was a symbol of the presence of God. So when Elijah walks up to Elijah and he throws this cloak on him, this is a very significant moment. And he's saying, basically he's saying, tag, you're it. And here's the crazy thing. Elijah then just keeps on going. He doesn't stop. He basically walks up to him, throws the cloak on him, and keeps walking. We we see that in verse 20. He says, Elijah then, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Why did he run after him? Because he just kept on going after he threw the cloak on him. So imagine, and this doesn't even come close to the same comparison, but imagine like you're outside playing basketball and Kevin Durant walks up to you and throws you a basketball in his uniform and then just keeps on walking. Like you're just going to be standing there going, what just happened, right? Because Elisha knows Elijah. He's the Chuck Norris of the Bible. Everybody knows this guy. He sees him walking up, and I'm sure he's wondering, what is, what is he doing? What is, he's walking towards me, oh my gosh. And then he's taking off his cloak, and he throws it. I'm sure Elijah's just sitting there for a minute going, what just happened? But look at what he does. Verse uh, 20, again. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. So here's what Elijah's saying. I'm in, okay? Just give me a second. Let me go tell my family goodbye, and I'll follow you. And look at Elijah's response. Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? What have I done to you? Just threw your anointing on me. That's what you've done to me. But here's what Elijah's saying. I, what, what, what do I, I don't have anything to offer you, kid. Don't follow me. You don't need me. Just, I'm done. I'm tagging you. You're it. You go. God, leave me alone. But Elijah, there's something in Elijah that, Elisha that says, I'm not, that's not good enough for me. There's something in Elijah that says, I need to be connected to this guy. And so he pursues him. And look what he does. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. That's 24 oxen he killed. He burned all his plowing equipment and took the meat and gave it to people and they ate. Then, look at this, he set out to follow Elijah and to become his servant. Elisha goes back and he basically burns the ships. There's no turning back for him. He gets rid of everything. He gets rid of everything that he could fall back on and says, I'm going to serve this guy. I'm going to follow this guy. And here's what's amazing. From that moment on, we see that life is breathed in to both of these men. Elijah, the Chuck Norris of the Bible, who was ready to quit, who was ready to cash it all in, who was ready to be done, we see that he begins to step back into his anointing and begins to do amazing things and carry out his purposes. Why? Because he gets connected in a relationship. And this relationship not only helps Elijah to finish his race, but it breathes life into Elisha as well. 
It, it gives life to both of them. Because listen, godly relationships breathe life into our lives. And we have to be connected to other people. So here's my question to you this morning. What if you find yourself in a place today and you're tired and you're burdened and you're worn out and you kind of feel like you're ready to quit and and you're asking God to help you and to, to, to fix this and to you want something to happen? What if the answer that God wants to give to you is in the form of a person that he wants to put in your life to walk with you, to be there for you, to breathe life into your story and for you to breathe life into theirs. I believe that's what God wants to do. I believe he wants us to be connected with other people and maybe today you're struggling because you're not, you're like Elijah, you're you're just not, you're all alone, you're trying to do this thing called life alone and God wants to bring more people into your life to help you to do it. You need godly relationships. Number two, godly relationships make you sharp. Godly relationships make you sharp. Another way to say that is they make you better. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now this is a verse I have heard my whole life. And, and the idea here is this kind of analogy that helps us understand how relationships work better, that, that we, in, in a godly relationship, there's this way that they work together that they make each other better, right? And so I'm a visual person. I see things very visually when I read scripture. And so I always had this image in my head of like, you know, of what this could look like, okay? So iron sharpening iron, I just thought it's like two knives or two swords and in order for them to be sharper, they kind of got to, you know, rub up against each other. And in that process, they'll get sharper. Like, and, and here's the image I got. It's like the Ginsu chef at the, at the, at the uh, you know, the hibachi steak restaurant, right? He comes out and he does his whole thing, and, you know, makes those little noises and clangs them together and throws shrimp up in the air and cuts them and makes little onion volcanoes. And we all love this, right? This is kind of what I had imagery from this. But here's the problem. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Like knives and swords, you can't sharpen them by banging them into each other or by rubbing them against each other. In fact, all that's going to happen if you do that is you're going to dull the blades of both or chip the blades of both. But if you really want to do what this scripture is saying, which is iron sharpening iron, here's how this has to work. You have to have one source of iron that is harder and has a rougher edge than the other one. There has to be some friction and some pressure applied to make the edge get sharper. Hopefully you guys are tracking with me right now. You see, we need relationships. We don't just need relationships where we have buddies that just pat us on the back all the time. We need people in our lives that will apply the necessary godly pressure that sometimes we need. People who will speak the truth in love to us, even if that truth is hard to swallow, even if we don't want to hear it. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs 27, 6. Look at this. Faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Here's another way to say that. It's better to be slapped by the truth than kissed with a lie. And yet so often we would rather people just tell us what we want to hear. But in reality, if we want to become who God wants us to become, and, and honestly, who we want to become, who we need to become, We're going to have to surround ourselves with people who are strong as steel in faith that will come along and and with us, work with us, and apply the pressure needed for us to make some changes that we know we need to make in our life. You guys follow me? 
We need these kind of people. People who can provide a sanctifying resistance in our life that helps us become who it is that God has called us to become. We need these kind of people. Godly relationships breathe life into us. Godly relationships make us smart. Number three, godly relationships promote healing. Godly relationships promote healing. 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what this verse is telling us is when we make mistakes and we sin, and we all do. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we sin, we go to God and we repent and we confess the sin to him and he purifies us from that sin. He makes us clean. He washes that away. And, and Jesus and God is the one that we turn to with our sins for forgiveness. But you know, there's some stuff in our life that even once we've repented and we've asked for forgiveness, we still seem to struggle with it. Everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. You've got that thing in your life that, that you've repented of it. You've asked God to forgive you, but you just kind of find yourself continuing to come back to it, continuing to struggle with it, continuing to, to go back there. And what you need in order to receive healing from that is you need to, to talk to somebody else. You need to connect with somebody else to receive the healing. James 5.16 says it this way. Confess your trespasses. Trespasses is a just definition means sin to one another and pray for one another, look at this, that you may be healed. Now this is important. You don't have to confess your sins to people to be forgiven, okay? Jesus forgives you. God forgives you. You confess your sin to people so that you can receive the healing that God wants you to experience in your life so that you can move past that sin, this is how God set it up. If you want to be forgiven, you tell God. If you want to experience that forgiveness and become completely healed of it, you have to talk to other people because forgiveness from, comes from God, but healing comes from God with other people. It's just how God's created it. So we've got to partner with people. We have to have some people in our life that are willing to go to, maybe one person or, or, or two people that you can truly let them know and confess some sin to them, confess where you're at so that they can begin to pray with you and partner with you so you can experience the healing, so you can humble yourself in the sight of the Lord so that he can lift you up. We've got to do this. God wired us to need each other. We need each other in life. It's just the reality of, of how we are. But here's the problem. Most of us want to impress people. We want, we want people to be impressed by our life. We want people to see the Instagram version of our life, right? The best, the highlights. But the reality is, you really connect with people through your weaknesses. Your weaknesses will bring you to a level of connection with other people where you're not being fake anymore, you're being real. Where you can really receive what God wants to do. So we need relationships. Our destiny is tied to our relationships. God hasn't called us to walk alone. He's called us to do life together and walk with people. So, so there's three things. There's many more, but there's three benefits to relationships. So let's talk about this now. Five things, real quick, this won't take me long, but five things that we can do to step into these kind of relationships. Number one is this, chase your future. If you're taking notes, write this down, chase your future. What does that mean? It means that you, you look at relationships and you look for people who are where you wanna be. People who are ahead of you. Maybe they're ahead of you in, in marriage. Uh, maybe they're ahead of you in, in spiritual things. Maybe they're ahead of you in, in just life. You know, I, have, I pursue relationships in my life of people who are 20 to 30 years older than me that have, and here's what I'm looking for. I'm in ministry, I'm a pastor, okay? So I wanna find guys who have been pastors for that long 
who have not stumbled and not fallen, who are married to their wife and are still in love with their wife, who have raised kids that are all following God and love the church and love ministry. I'm looking for people like that. And I want to connect with them and I want to talk to them and I want to draw inspiration and wisdom from them because that's smart. And I want to give those people permission to file away on me because I need that. I need this sanctifying resistance in my life. And we all need this. We need to have a future version of ourselves that we say, that's, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. It may not be 30 years ahead of you. You may just be someone in your same age range that's just doing things you know a little bit better and you want to learn from them. But you need these kind of relationships where you're chasing after your future. You're chasing after and pursuing a better version of yourself with other people. And listen, in those, when I say chase, you're the one that has to pursue it. And this is where people stumble sometimes. They want the people that are way ahead of them to just want to be their friends. They don't, it doesn't work that way, people. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you need them more than they need you. So you have to pursue them. You have to chase them. And and you have to ask. And you know what? Sometimes they may not be able to do it, and that's okay. But it never hurts to ask. When when I was at Gateway Church, one of the things I loved about the culture there is that I I could meet with anybody I wanted to, but I had to pursue them. But if I'd pursue them, if I would ask for a lunch or whatever, they would always meet with me. And that's the culture we have here at the church. I've got some guys here at the church that they want me to mentor them. And here's what I tell them. All right, I'll mentor you, but you got to chase me. You're the one that needs to text me and say, hey, can I get a lunch with you? Can, can, can we talk? Can we meet? And, and I may not be able to drop everything and meet with you, but I will, I will do the best I can to meet with you as soon as I can. But I need you to pursue me. i got a lot going on. If you pursue me, then I'll, I'll, I'll connect with you. Am I making sense? Chase your future. Go after it. Pursue people that are where you want to be. Number two, open up. Get real with people. Don't, don't just show them the best part of you. Listen, people know you're being fake with that stuff. We all know. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, everybody has stuff. And you need to be real. And listen, here's the thing about opening up and being real with people. When you open up and, and, and are real and, and step into these real relationships where you re- reveal your weaknesses and you, 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 you create a bond with each other and you actually create a bond where this person can open up in a greater way to God. Look at this, uh, Matthew 5.14, this is Jesus talking. He's talking about being the light of the world and don't, don't hide it under a bushel, that whole verse. And then he goes, this is the message verse, and he goes on to say this, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Now look at this, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. When we are real with people, when we open up and let people in, it prompts them to open up to God. They see in us the Jesus inside of us and it encourages them to go to Jesus, to run to this, this, this heavenly Father who is generous and to turn to him. When we open up with people, it empowers people to open up with God. Number three, schedule time for relationships you care about. We're getting practical today, right? Schedule time with relationships that you care about. And here's a good way to think about your calendar and how you schedule your time. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is a really great statement, okay? Schedule not just what you want to do, but who you want to become. What would your calendar look like if it wasn't just filled with things that you have to do, but if it was filled with what your life would look like if you became who it was that you wanted to become? What would that look like? Listen, we're all busy. This weekend, 
was crazy busy. Yesterday, I had, I had a men's breakfast. I had to mow the lawn. I got home from that. I had a bow soccer game. I had a birthday party. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And life is busy. I got three kids. We're busy. And if we're not careful, if we don't make time to schedule some things in our life with our time, we, we find that there are relationships and things that we don't do that we value that we want to do. And what ends up happening is our, our schedule drives us instead of we drive our schedule. And so we have to take, we have to take this in. And, and here's how you do it. You budget your time. Time is, you know, you budget your money, right? Hopefully most of you have a budget for your money. And when your money runs out, it's gone, right? Well, the same is true with your time, except here's the thing about time. Time is not a renewable resource. We all have the same amount of time. You only have so much. When it's spent, it's gone. And so if we want to make the most of our time and we want to spend our time on the things that we value, we're going to have to budget it for the things that we value. Now, here's what this looks like for us. At, at our house, we have a calendar on the wall that has two months on it. And, and so me and Sarah will we'll meet and we'll talk about what the next two months are going to look like. And then we'll also meet and talk about what the next week is going to look like. And on that calendar, we schedule things in there. We schedule date nights for us together so that we can go out and we can spend some time together because we value our marriage and we want to spend time on that. Uh, we, we have time on there for our kids. We, every Friday at our home is Friday Family Fun Night. And we're going to go do something with the kids. We're going to rent a movie. We're going to have fun. We're going to invest in them because we value them and we want to spend time on them. Uh, we, 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 we have individual time with our kids, but we, we look at this and we spend time where we want to spend it. And listen, and this is something I'm still learning. There's relationships I have with people outside of my home that I'm learning. I have to schedule and spend time with them. I have to put it on my calendar because there are months that go by that there are people that I love that I don't even talk to because I'm just so busy and so caught up in life that I, I all of a sudden it's like, man, I haven't talked to that guy in two months. And it's like a life-giving relationship of mine. You guys following me? We've got to schedule our time. There's an old saying that says, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. If you, pro- if you, if you value something, then you'll, you'll calendar it and you'll spend that time wisely. Don't just schedule what you want to do, but who you want to become. Number four, be the friend you want to have. Be the friend you want to have. Um, maybe you're here today and you say, well, I, I don't have friends. I don't, I don't have these relationships like, like I'd like to have. Well, here's how you start to get there. You want good friendships? Be the friend that you want to have. I was thinking of this this week, and I made a list of some things that I would say I would value in a friendship that I would want to have with somebody else. Here, here's my list. Uh, someone who is there for me in a crisis. Someone who listens and cares empathetically, that they, they really care about me and my life and how things are going. Someone who will step in before I ask. Someone who affirms me when I doubt myself. Someone who reminds me of who I am when I sometimes forget. Someone who celebrates my wins and mourns my losses. Someone who remembers and keeps me pointed towards the things that I value that are important to me. Someone who trusts me with their secrets and is trustworthy with mine. Sounds like a pretty good friend, right? If I want that friend, the goal is to be that friend. We, we, who, we want to, who we want to have is who we need to be. So we pursue that. Galatians 6, 7 says this, you reap what you sow. If you want to reap good fruit, sow good fruit. You want to reap good seed, sow good seed. You want to reap good friends, sow good friends. Listen, it's not just going to happen. You've got to pursue it. You've got to chase after it. All right, number five. 
Get connected. Get connected. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. So we need to be intentional about who we connect with and that we connect with the right people. And you know, that's why at New Song we push serving and we push groups like we do. It's not that we just want to have these other little branches of our ministry going on. It's that we know how valuable it is to our church and to our people and to us. And so we want people to be connected. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. And we need to have good, godly friends who are doing all of these things, who are breathing life into us, who are sharpening us, who are challenging us, who are there for us when we need them. We need that, and we find that as we connect with God in the local church through groups and through serving. Listen, you can come to church here, and it's real easy to come in these doors and and go through the motions and get out of here, and you didn't connect with anybody. And group says, we're going to step outside of our of our rows, and we're going to get into these circles where we can look face to face and be present with each other because presence matters. Being really real and present with someone is a big deal. And so that's why here we we put such an emphasis on this. In fact, um, we're getting ready to end our first small group semester, getting ready to come to a close, and we're launching our next one, May 15th. We're going to have our next group of of small groups. And I would love to see a bunch of the, the newer people in the church, I'd love to see you get connected in these groups because I know how important it is for your life, how how much you need this based on what we've been talking about today. You can't build these relationships in rows, you gotta build them. In circles. Hebrews 10, verse 24 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Remember that word meeting. As some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now the word there, it says not giving up meeting together. That word meeting is the Greek word that means to meet for a spiritual purpose. And you know what? That's what serving And that's what groups are all about. It's us getting together to meet for spiritual purposes. And serving in the church, you're getting together, you're meeting to serve the the people of the church, to serve them, to show them the love of God, to welcome them in, the people that come that maybe you're new to church. In in groups, you're you're getting together and you're, you're connecting and you're meeting for spiritual purpose. You're meeting to sharpen each other, to encourage one another, to connect. Listen, if you wanna be somebody and not somebody's fool, you can laugh you got to get connected. Don't, don't make the relation slip of thinking that you can just do this on your own. It's, it's not biblical. <laughs> You've got to be connected with other people. You need it, and they need it. There's people in this room that you're their Elisha. There's people in this room that desperately need to hear your story. And, and, and we've got we've to be willing to connect. So here's, here's what I want to do. You should have received a connect card as you came in today. And I just want to encourage you this morning. If you got that, on there, on the back of it, there's a little section that says, um, tell me about. And it says, joining the church, small groups, next steps, serving opportunities, women's ministry. I want to encourage you to, to fill this out this morning. If you're not in a group and you'd like to get connected with a group or you'd like to plug in and serve. Listen, we have lots of needs for serving here at the church. We, we have lots of needs in tech arts. We have lots of needs in children's ministry and check-in. Lots of needs. God's growing our church, and we need more people to, to lock arms with us and help us. Um, but I encourage you, if God's speaking to you today and you feel like God's saying, hey, get connected, I'd encourage you, check the box that says small groups or check the box that says 
that says serving opportunities and just fill your name out and we'll contact you and we'll give you more information and we'll help you get connected because you need this because your destiny is tied to your relationships. Would you stand with me this morning?